Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, big thanks to the title sponsor of the big show. That would be Big O. Big O knows tires and auto repair can be an unexpected expense. That's why they offer no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to tra- talk to Chris Camrani coming up here momentarily. He writes for The Athletic. And uh, he's written about a number of interesting things lately. So we, we have a number of different subjects we can talk to Chris about. I think his main beat for the athletics still is covering the Utes and football team, but he's he's done some Olympic stuff. He did some jazz stuff. He's uh, he's he kind of has dabbled in a bunch of different things. Well, he's got a widespread background, so you know why not? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's kind of what he did for the the Tribune when he was there. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's good stuff. So we'll talk some Utes with him, but uh, also some jazz uh, some uh, jazz conversations. He wrote an interesting uh, piece about. Uh, Jazz fans in a bar watching the <laughs> game six. <laughs> How'd that go, Chris? Um, mm. uh, I bet it would. I bet it was an interesting experience. I don't know. Uh, watching uh, sports in bars in general, I think, is kind of fun. Well, can you concentrate as as well in that atmosphere? Well, they're not like writing a book report about the game, Gordon. What do you mean concentrate? <laughs> well, I mean it's you know, it's it's kind of more of a party than it is uh, actually studying the game. Well, it's it's watching a game in a group setting. Yeah, you haven't done that very often. Not like that. I mean, obviously in the arenas, uh, and that's a group setting. But uh, yeah, I think that when I'm watching a game and when I'm covering a game, I like to focus. But if I'm just there to have fun, then yeah, that's good. All right, let's get out to the uh, the uh, Smart Rain guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. He writes for The Athletic. He's our friend Chris Camrani with us here on The Big Show. What's going on, Chris? Hey, guys. How are we doing? Hey, we're doing great. We were just talking about how uh, there's a bunch of stuff uh, to get to with you, but uh, uh, good idea, going to a bar and watching a jazz game with a bunch of uh, intoxicated fans. I like it. Uh, there's a very long story that would be really good for radio, but it would take up too much time of your show. So I'll just give you the abbreviated version. And the abbreviated version is I was sitting at the bar with my notepad taking notes, not partaking in anything. And by the time I left to get on the Zoom, um, a friend of mine who was a little too intoxicated 
was so mad that he gave me a goodbye hug that ruptured cartilage in my rib cage. <laughs> so, <laughs> the ang- the anger is real, gentlemen. Was it was it Hans Olsen? I, uh, it was not Hans. I think if Hans would have given me a hug, I would have been dead. I would have had an obit in the Tribune. He's done that before, broken some ribs I, with a hug. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, give us your thoughts on the Jazz, Chris. And, uh, you know, Gordon and I were talking the other day. You know, it's one thing to to lose a series. It's one thing to lose a game. But the way they lost that series and the way they lost game six particularly is just brutal. I'm sure those fans were extra grumpy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can start out from a macro perspective. And the macro perspective is I think the Jazz have to look inward at their roster construction and decide – is it worth dedicating nearly 40% of your cap to a non-offensive big man in Rudy Gobert? I know everything that he does is such a game changer. He's won the defensive player of the year three times in a row, or not three out of the last four years. But uh, the reality is, is in the postseason, if you have the personnel, you can scheme Rudy Gobert off the floor. Now, I, I think there is a much longer, larger part of this conversation where, you know, folks were mad that Terrence Mann was wide open for so many corner threes in game six. But the reason why is because nobody on that roster could stay in front of anybody. I mean, you're having guys who couldn't stay in front of Patrick Beverly or, you know, Rajon Rondo, two guys that are close to their mid-30s, if not already there. So, um from a big picture perspective, I, I, I wonder what the front office does because I think after last year, the consensus was the Jazz have to figure out how to survive the non-Rudy minutes. They brought back Derek Favors, a fan favorite, but a guy who clearly doesn't have the same you know bounce that he did when he was younger when he was here. I mean, let's be honest. It's a, a player like like Derek Favors made his money for being a, like the most athletic big guy on the floor for a long time, but he's not that anymore. And maybe he was dealing with some nagging injuries. Um, but to me, the the story of how the Jazz have to go forward this offseason is can they figure out a way to be able to match a team small ball the way the Clippers threw out, you know, that style against the Jazz. And um, I don't think the Jazz can do that right now with the roster that they have set up. And they have a lot of money that's already tied up, and we haven't even gotten to the Mike Conley conversation of this all. So um, I think a lot of people assume that the Jazz are going to run it back. But um, listen, if if you're a guy like Ryan Smith, if you're a guy who spent an insane amount of money to buy your childhood sports team, and you're this close, and you know that in order to keep a guy like Donovan Mitchell around and happy – you're going to have to go all in sooner or later. I just wonder, like, is the first offseason that Ryan Smith is in charge, is that the one where you conceivably go all in? I don't know. We still have to wait and see how, you know, the next, you know, six weeks pan out, especially once the playoffs are over. So, Chris, what do you do with Mike Conley? You bring him back. I mean, because otherwise your, your, you know, your salary cap construction is so tied up with existing players on the books that I don't think you can be a player in like the sign and trade market. And, and Mike isn't going to get the kind of deal that he got in Memphis when he was getting like close to 32, $33 million a year. It's going to be lower than that. Uh, But even (laughs) the reality is, is every good team in the league is going to want to sign Mike Conley. I mean, look at some of the really, you know, heavyweight hitters that went out early that, 
didn't have much point guard play. Like, do you think a team like the Lakers could have used Mike Conley this year? I mean, I know pe- I know people like Dennis Schroeder, but the, there are teams out there that would gladly take Mike Conley and, and offer him money to give him a shot to chase a ring. So I think the Jazz have to because – if you can't, if you don't bring him back, I, I just think it's optics for Donovan Mitchell, guys. We saw Donovan make that leap. He is now, um, I hate this phrase, a bona fide superstar. He can be a number one guy and, and carry you deep into the postseason if he's healthy. And the way you have to keep him around long term, the way you need to make sure that super max deal lasts more than three and a half, four years is to prove to him that you're willing to spend money and put the right pieces around him so you guys can contend for a championship. So kind of with that in mind, Chris, do you expect a, a, a trade, a move of a, you know, a, a rotational piece? Uh, I just don't know. I mean, the it's tough because who do you trade? Like, do you trade Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, uh, you know, one of your prize free agent acquisitions i mean let's be honest we don't get a lot of those around here do you do you do you trade a guy that you know has been beaten up a little bit the first two years in a jazz uniform but has proven that he can be the piece that the jazz need it, it, it's really weird guys i'm sure you you've talked about this on your show like it, it's weird because this jazz team went from three or four years ago not being able to hit water if they fell out of a boat and that was their downfall because they were too defensive-minded. They weren't dynamic enough offensively. And then you kind of flip the, the script, so to speak, and you bring in Boyan Bogdanovich, you bring in Jordan Clarkson, and um, different issues persist, but they are issues that persist nonetheless. So um, it, I think that the easiest part of constructing a good roster in the NBA is getting like 75% there. I think the hardest part is getting the last 25%. And you see that with even a lot of these super teams. I mean, let's be honest. Let's let's talk about it. It took the Clippers a while to figure out how they can build around guys like Kawhi and Paul George. It, the Brooklyn Nets learned um, painstakingly so that just because you can get a bunch of superstars together, and if they can't stay healthy, you're not a you're not a lock to even get to the conference finals. So I don't know who on the Jazz roster would be intriguing to other teams. Uh, my guess would be there's one maybe I don't want to say Rudy Gobert is untouchable from a trade perspective, but I think to me, there's one guy on that roster that is untouchable at the moment and it's Donovan Mitchell. And you just have to figure out how to maximize his potential because he is at the prime of his career. I mean, this, he's not even at the prime. He's at the, he's at the starting point still, and he's just beginning his ascent. It's just a matter of finding the right pieces to fit around him so that when you come across teams like the Clippers that can throw you a haymaker, you can swing back. So, Chris, we have this great divide then in the decision-making process, and you've articulated both sides of it. On one side, you have Donovan Mitchell, who is all about winning a championship, and you've got to do everything you can to keep him pleased, right? And on the other hand, you had the best record in the league this past year, not quite good enough in order to go through the postseason, but certainly nothing to be embarrassed about. And with the money situation the way it is, there, there you are. So what, which way do you end up leaning? Yeah, I, I think I will disagree slightly in that the manner of the exit that the Jazz had from this postseason was so bad 
and will leave such a sour taste in the, in the mouths of the people within that organization and within the fan base that I think like this could be a potentially galvanizing moment where you, you maybe have to try to go to a certain amount of lengths to really switch it up. Because, I mean, we, we kind of have a track record now, guys, of, um, you know, the Jazz blowing a 3-1 lead against Denver in the bubble last year, the Jazz blowing a 2-0 lead to the Clippers, a Clippers team that didn't play with Kawhi Leonard, a two-times finals MVP in the last two games. You're up 22 points on the road, and the, the home team with a, with a guy named Terrence Mann, who was like a second-round pick, and Patrick Beverly, who wasn't even playing that much, they made up 22 points in a matter of like nine minutes. So I, I, I understand that like it's, it's, it's hard to balance not you know, falling victim to the moment, but the reality is, is the moments that matter most are in the postseason, and that's what people remember. Um, I, the Jazz weren't even in that many close games this year in the regular season. The Jazz, Jazz fans aren't going to remember when the Bucks came to town and the Jazz stomped Giannis and Chris Middleton. Nobody's going to remember that. The Jazz fans are going to remember – seeing Jordan Clarkson go for 17 straight points in the second quarter. You know, they're making open shot after open shot. Everything's hunky-dory. And within an eight- to nine-minute span, the cascade, uh, the avalanche begins, and the Jazz just weren't able to make it up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are so many layers to this conversation that, you know, folks in the front office and the coaching staff, the ownership group, they have to figure out, you know, who they want to be going forward because – They've proven that with kind of this current core, they're good enough. But as you guys know, it's, it's, it's not easy to be good enough in the NBA, but it's not hard. It's hard to be great in the NBA, and the Jazz haven't been there in 23 years. And I think Jazz, Jazz fandom was, you know, Jazz Nation was looking forward to this team being, you know, the, uh, the second coming, so to speak, of, of the late 90s and, you know, maybe if, if Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley are able to play that series fully healthy, I think they win. But I think that the defensive um, deficiencies were going to rear their head eventually one way or the other. I mean, the, the, the fact that the Jazz were just so poor defensively, and that, I'm not talking about Rudy Gobert specifically. I'm talking about everybody. The fact that they couldn't even stop a simple Patrick Beverly or Terrence Mann drive, that was going to get – you know, blown up sooner or later by, by whether it was the Suns in the conference finals or, you know, imagine having to, having to guard Giannis and Chris Middleton or Trey Young, whatever. Um, so that's just a long-winded way of saying I think the, the decisions that the Jazz have to make are going to be hard, and I think a lot of folks will assume that they're going to run it back because um, I think uh, conventional wisdom points to that. But – I don't know. I, I just think like you have to look at this and say like, have has this version of the Jazz reached its ceiling? Yeah, I mean the Jazz need defensive length and athleticism, just like you were describing there. That's what they need, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that's the hardest thing to come by because every team in the league is either, you know, fixating on a couple guys in the draft that they love that they know that will fit in their system, but. Uh, the NBA isn't so unique that most of these, you know, talented young men coming out of college or the G League or from overseas can't fit into multiple systems. So everybody is looking for the same thing, and it's been like this for a while. It's been like this since like LeBron really took over as as the point forward. Like who who can LeBron surround himself with as a bunch of three and D guys to to get to uh, a finals and see what happens? 
Um, but it, that's going to be hard because um, are, are, is the Jazz a destination place now? Like, is, is, the, is the Dwayne Wade becoming part of the ownership group? Is that going to, you know, bear some fruit on that end? Is our, our you know, guys ch- chasing a championship going to be intrigued with the prospect of playing alongside Donovan Mitchell? Um, I think on the surface you can say, yeah, but the reality is, is we're still battling kind of these stereotypes of, you know, what this market is. And as you guys know, we, we continue to uh, have this very terrible thing rear its ugly head too often. And I think this is part of a conversation that, um, you know, probably has had within the inner circles of players in the NBA. Chris, I noticed uh, I, I saw you did a piece on uh, an American gymnast. Are you going to be doing uh, Olympic stuff this year? Yeah, yeah. So, um, unfortunately, I won't be going to Tokyo, but no one is other than the athletes. So, um, yeah, just with my experience, having covered the last couple of games for the Tribune when I was there, my you know editors at The Athletic asked if I'd be willing to, to pinch it. So I'll be kind of all over the place. Um helping out with gymnastics i'm taking on a lot of um the the new additions to to the olympics like surfing and skateboarding uh rock climbing you know all of this all of the sports that you guys know i'm really good at myself (laughs) so i'm i'm going to be able to bring that you know that insightful first person narrative to my readership do you think chris the olympics will be as viewed as ever even with some of the stuff that's uh, troubles that they uh, Mm -hmm. have to deal with that's a good question, Gordon. I think I don't know if it'll be as viewed as ever. I don't think it'll be a flop, just because it's going to be in that sweet spot where fans are going to be jonesing for something other than the dog days of Major League Baseball. It'll be right after the finals. It'll be before college football starts. Um, I, th- I think the uh, the atmosphere not being there is a bummer for the player or for the athletes first and foremost, but for the viewers as well. Um, but it's it's something that we we've never seen, and it's something we probably will never see again in our lifetime. Is having an Olympics go on in such dire circumstances? You know, COVID numbers aren't great in Japan. I think I saw the other day on the news that they have a six percent of their total population vaccinated right now, with the games scheduled to start in four weeks. So it's a bummer all around. I don't think there's a right answer, but I know that when you have billions of dollars tied up in advertising and revenue and sponsorships, money always wins out. Well, Chris, thank you. For, oh, actually, a huge question for you. Let, let's throw that in there. Why not? We've got you on the Fire air. Fire away. All right. What's, uh, what's storyline numero uno going into fall mm-hmm. camp in your mind? Uh, am, am I going to be – you know, raked over the coals if I say it's the quarterback. <laughs> no, it often is, always, right? It, it always is. It's <laughs> always going to be this. Under Kyle Whittingham, for me, it's always going to be, can they have a game-changing quarterback that they can pair with the dominant defense? Because in the 11 years in the Pac-12, they've had one guy who was able to do it, and it was a guy that had the talent but was hurt too often, and that was Tyler Huntley, and, and it was 2019. So, um I know a lot of folks pretend like they know how Charlie Brewer is going to look in a Utah uniform, even though nobody's seen anything other than the, the coaching staff and the players up there. So I'm not going to pontificate on the um, seven-on-seven drills. 
like so many folks in this market pretend to do. I will just say that the youth brought in a guy that has close to, if not over 10,000 yards of career offense at Baylor and a guy that's been in a Big 12 championship and won big-time games. And I think even though they're a young roster, this Utah team is constructed to compete uh, for the whole thing. I think they have uh, the depth, the talent, and, you know, I, the, the other thing, be, I, I'll wrap it up because I know you guys got to get to break, is Kyle Whittingham's done a great job in the transfer portal. They've gone out and got guys that can be difference makers. So, um, yeah, I, I, for me, it's, I'm sure, you know, Gordon's going to be writing multiple columns, so I, I, I'm not going to expect any royalties. But the, the, the storyline for me is can the quarterback position take Utah over the top? And so I guess my last question for you on that, Chris, is what is it about Kyle that causes this quarterback disconnect? Is it the fact that he just loves to run the football? Is it because he impresses upon his quarterbacks, do not turn the ball over, and then the quarterback ends up somewhat paralyzed? What <laughs> Have they just not had the talent necessary to flourish in that at that position? What do you think? I think it's pretty much three to four things. First and foremost, I don't think it's always the quarterback's fault. I think Utah has done a subpar job at recruiting difference makers on the outside. And if you don't have guys that can get open as a quarterback, you're not going to be able to throw the ball very well. So I think uh, fans who have you know, been quick to judge the likes of Travis Wilson and – oh, man – I'd age myself. Who was that? Uh, Troy Williams. Yeah. These guys over the years. Um, Utah just hasn't had enough talent on the outside. So I think for me, that's a very underrated aspect of this. I also think that the fact that Utah recruits really good running backs and that their running game is so dominant plays, plays a role in it. But I think um, the one thing we didn't talk about is the fact that I think for nine or ten years, Utah was having a new OC every year. So that the continuity was not there, um, but you you know Utah and Kyle have their guy in Andy Ludwig, so the continuity is there. And like I said, they went into the portal and got some guys that you know were highly sought after recruits at places like UCLA and SC and Oklahoma. So um, it's all shaping up, but I don't know. I think we've all seen this before. It's it's a matter of like. Can this can this offense you know split the load? Because the defense, as we saw last year, as young as it is, is talented enough to carry the to carry the load themselves. But cer- sooner or later, you need a quarterback to get the ball with three and a half minutes left, whether it's at Rice Stadium or on the road, and say like, let's go win this and actually do it. Well, Chris, thank you very much for jumping on with us. We always look forward to it. Thank you. Hey, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Chris. Chris Camerani writes for The Athletic, does a great job, covers the Utes, but uh, obviously uh, wrote some stuff about the Jazz, and that's cool. They're having him do Olympic stuff, too. He agrees with you on the uh, Ute wide receiver front. Yeah, well, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Okay. You watch the storyline coming out of U-Camp this year will again be, well, they have receivers this year, even though they lost – their best ones to the transfer portal, (laughs) right? Yeah, we'll see. All right.
Out to the zone phone we go. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic, he's our friend Andrew Reinhardt. And Andrew, uh, you know, a lot of guys out there uh, suffer in silence often from ED, and uh, uh, they don't need to. They can they can roll back that clock. Yes, they can. You're right, uh, Jake. So many guys out there are struggling in silence. Uh, maybe taking the pill occasionally, or maybe just kind of thinking, "This is it. This is the new normal." And that is a sad thing because maybe they feel like they're too young. So admitting that they have a problem damages their ego. Uh, Certainly they know and their significant other spouse knows. Uh, When we can take care of that, that is so cool, especially when we can do it without a pill. That's what Wasatch Medical specializes in. We've helped a lot of guys, young and old. Please do not feel too young. (laughs) Don't feel too healthy because that's the worst thing you can do. The ED typically gets worse. And with a few treatments, with these pressure waves, not invasive or painful, we can turn back the clock in the bedroom, get rid of the ED, and, of course, that means improving the intimacy with your significant other. And I know you guys make uh, all the science and the studies and all that stuff readily available. We do. Uh, If you go to wasatchmedicalclinic.com, if you're into the data, Click the science page and just start reading. These are double-blind, placebo-controlled studies where they've actually given people a sham treatment, so one that is totally ineffective, and then our treatment, and taken x-rays, studied the blood vessels. It works. It improves blood flow. Uh, So the science is definitely sound. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. Get in and see the doctor and... Uh, this is uh, is another cool way you're kind of taking the risk out of this. Yeah, there's a huge perk today. The assessment and exam is free. If you call us now and uh, take our treatments, you get a lifetime warranty on the results. So that is really valuable. If you notice, uh, let's say a few years down the road, results fade a little bit, come back in, little tune-up treatment, it's on us. Uh, totally free, so a lot of value today. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call, 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You can't stop me now. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires. The team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Rough Tough. They set the industry standard for custom seat covers for cars, trucks, SUVs, and UTVs. Get the best fit seat covers for the make, model, and year of your vehicle. And do some business with the Utah company since 1976. Check them out today, roughtough.com. That's roughtough.com. It is Wednesday, and it is back. It's time for a win ticket Wednesday. Let's get a winner right now, Austin. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. Wednesday. Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. Woo! And 
you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Be the 12th caller right now, 855-340-ZONE, and you're going to win a four-pack of B's tickets to the Saturday, June 26th. That's this Saturday showdown with Vegas at Smith's Ballpark. Caller 12 right now on a win ticket Wednesday. You know, Gordon, because there's actually things like events to attend these days. Yeah. So Win Ticket Wednesday is back. Sounds good to me. It's kind of it was kind of tough during the pandemic when it was like, yeah. hey, Win Ticket <laughs> Wednesday for uh, let's see what's going on. Uh, Whatever you can do at home. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so Win Ticket Wednesday is back. Twelfth caller, and you're going to the bees game. Gordon, you have received some interesting jazz correspondence. Yeah, I got an email from uh, a fan. And uh, she gives uh, her name, and she says, I'm far from an expert in basketball, but I would like to make a couple observations from the fifth and sixth playoff games in the last series. Uh, and then she gives a little more details about herself. But she says, in the fifth game, the Jazz had Bogdanovich coming out strong. I think he made three three-pointers in a row. Then Donovan came in, and that is all she wrote. Everything was thrown to Donovan. Bogdanovich was in his favorite corner, and the ball was not thrown to him. Uh, Donovan was not doing so well at the time. I always thought if someone came out strong and shooting good, keep the ball in his hands. I think they made a big mistake not throwing that ball to Bogdanovich. And then in the sixth game, the same thing with Clarkson came out hot and he didn't miss. Uh, they took him out and he never returned in the, uh, later on. Uh, to me, uh, they are too focused on Donovan and not the rest of the team. If Donovan is shooting good, fine. But if he is struggling, give it to someone else who is shooting well. I think uh, both of those games could have been won. What do you think of that philosophy? It's, it's, it's not exactly nuanced, but what, what do you make of, of people who think that way, Jake? Um, so I don't always fall in with the feed the hot hand cliche because I don't think it's necessarily that simple, and timing also comes into play. But my reaction to that is I, I think Donovan Mitchell, and he's admitted this throughout his career, needs to work on the reads that he makes. And he's a lot better at it today than he was when he was a rookie. Remember some of the yes. shots that he decided to take mm-hmm. back in, in his rookie year? So I think this is something that he has made progress on. But I don't think it's something that he's perfected. Because I think there were times when there were players or plays to be made that weren't because the wrong read was made. And I, I would guess, you know, Donovan, who's, who's somebody who has been, you know, introspective and able to kind of be self-critical about things in the past and what to work on. I think this is still one that has some some room to be worked on. Do you think he's earnest in that pursuit, or do you think he's falling in love with his own shot? Oh, I think he's earnest in that pursuit, sure. But but does everybody fall in love with their own shot every <laughs> once in a while when you're as good as Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, that's probably a temptation that he fights from time to time. He's a ball hog. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. that I was talking about someone Well, else. because, you know what, a lot of times uh, on a lot of plays, Donovan Mitchell creating something for himself is the best option. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so so to to simply say it's one way or another, I, I don't think that's the so, case. But I, I do think there were times where they missed Bogdanovich in the corner or maybe missed Rudy with a mismatch or, you know, 
uh, but because uh, the man isn't perfect. And he's uh, still so got to work on that. What you're saying is when somebody comes out hot and they make three shots in a row, that uh, the percentages show that it's not going to continue on that way unless your name is Terrence Mann. Uh, is is you don't believe in that? See, I kind of believe. I fall for that. I think that if a player is feeling it, go ahead and ride that pony, man. See, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I'm from the good shot school of philosophy. <laughs> you know, th- there's not a play in the NBA that I hate more than the heat check. <laughs> yeah, just just chuck just it up there, wing one up there from anywhere because pff, <laughs> you don't care. You've made a couple in a row. It's like it doesn't give you an excuse to take a stupid wild shot. Yeah, I agree. With and, that. and now, granted, you know what was once a stupid wild shot is actually a decent shot for some players. See Damian Lillard from pert near half court. <laughs> you know, so so that you know kind of the definition of a good shot. I I will admit has evolved some over the years, but. Now I'm still in the I'm still in the get a good shot category when it comes to this sort of thing more so than feed the hot hand. I like feeding the hot hand until it's not hot anymore. However, the opponent typically also notices that a certain player is hot, and then they make defensive adjustments to interrupt that flow. So there is that to be taken into consideration. But I I do believe in when you see a player who's feeling it. Get him the ball if he can. I don't think you rebuild your entire offense around that player, but uh, I, I, I'm sort of hesitant to really be all in on sharing the ball if somebody is feeling it and other players aren't. So I, I say go ahead and give it to him as much as he can. Yeah, but I mean, think about it from this perspective. One, you've got one play to win it in the fourth quarter. I don't care how hot Royce O'Neal has been throughout the game. You're not drawing up a play for Royce O'Neal. Right. I get it. No offense to Royce. He's just who I chose to pick on at the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess there's different ways of looking at it. But I I, I, I think when these players are fantastic, when you saw the Clippers get the ball to Terrence Mann. They did. It's true. So, who had the best shot? Not, well, not, he did have some good shots. You know, he was wide, wide open. open all night yeah. long because that's the way the Jazz elected to defend. And so he was the beneficiary of a lot of good open shots. It but, wasn't just that he was hot. It okay. was that he, there was nobody in the same county. So, him. okay, then let me be a little more specific with this scenario. Let's say Bogdanovich has is, is made three or four in a row. And you can still continue on in the offense that way and get him the ball and favor him as opposed to giving the ball to Royce O'Neal and watching him say, hey, hey man, I'm going to take a shot because I want to get involved in this, or anybody for that matter. I want to get involved here. I got an open look. I'll take it. As opposed to doing what you can to orchestrate it so you can get the ball to the man who can't miss. or Don't at least hold your breath. Seems like he can't. I'm going to come back to the right reads point. Take what the defense gives you. Make the right read. Your offense is set up for, you know, to work in a specific way. So you'd rather have Royce O'Neal take a shot that is in the flow of the offense rather than go out of your way to get the ball to the guy who just hit three or four in a row. Correct. Mm, I'm 75-25 on that. I think, and I don't think anybody should force up shots or bad shots. 
But if someone is really feeling it, I, 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 I say feed him the ball. And if he can get a good look, better for him to get the good look than somebody else. Give me a 40% free uh, three-point shooter with an open corner three? Yes. Give me the good shot. Well, if he's if he's so great, then why don't they give him the ball when the game is on the line? Well, does it generate an open shot for him? Okay, so I, I don't know if game re- is on the line. Jazz down one. Who would you rather have take the shot? Donovan Mitchell, whatever the circumstance is, or Royce O'Neal thinking he's open? Why did you throw in the caveat of thinking? Okay, let's say he is open. I'm giving you Royce O'Neal with an open shot. Or Donovan triple team no, falling no, out of bounds. No, no, take no, Royce. that's not fair. But Donovan being able to create a shot one way or another and take the last shot. Which one of those are you going to bet on? Well, you said in any circumstance, Donovan Mitchell, and I'd certainly say that's not the case. And okay, but by I generating mean, an open shot, you said that's an open shot. Yeah, but you don't know. You don't know whether Donovan's going to be able to create an open look or not. He might, he might not. But who do you want to get the ball to take the final shot? That's such an oversimplified question. I, want, uh, I know I it want is, an open I'm... shot. I want an open shot. Michael Jordan found Steve Kerr. And Paul George found C.J. Miles. <laughs> no, that was C.J. Miles not giving the ball back. <laughs> oh, that's your opinion. I, I don't think many coaches would do- design a play that was just dependent on one guy in the final moment generating an open shot. I mean, there's always got to be other options. Okay, and if so, Donovan can okay. generate an open shot, then knock yourself right I, out. I'm trying but to, if the other team triple teams him, give me the open guy. I'm trying to create a scenario here where you have to make a choice. An open Royce O'Neal or Donovan Mitchell with someone closing out on him. But Let's he's open what, to take a shot. Well, he can take a shot. I mean, Donovan Mitchell will probably take a shot whenever he wants. But some some traffic, but some contested on the defensive side. I still want Donovan Mitchell to take that shot, not Royce O'Neal. Especially if he's feeling it. I think I've adequately answered your question. So we disagree. I don't know. If Donovan generates an open shot, take an open shot. If he's triple teamed and fallen out of bounds, for God's sake, pass it. <laughs> I know, but it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, not that, that it's, it's not, not that. It's if not, you pass it to not. bogey, then bogey. For heaven's sakes, don't dribble, right. shoot. Yeah, because you're going to turn the ball over probably or have it stolen. I swear, every time the Clippers saw bogey dribbling the ball, it was like. Quick, get him! <laughs> I th- if Donovan Mitchell's hit four shots in a row, I don't care whether he is double teamed. I want him to take the shot, not Royce O'Neal. Well, I think you're wrong. All right. Jordan passed to Kerr. You're picking out one occasion. Was Big Shot Bob ever the best player on his team ever? Who who usually was Robert took the Ori shot? ever the best who player on his team? Who usually took the shot? Answer that question. MJ did. Was Robert Ori? You pick out one outlier and you say, "Look, MJ, that's the way to always do it." I just found another one. Robert Ori hit all sorts of big shots in his career. And how about MJ throwing it to BJ Armstrong to win a a series? That happened too. Actually, it was uh, who was the other guy? It was Paxson. Was it Paxson? Yeah. 
Wasn't I think I thought he hit an Armstrong on one too. Was it Paxson? I mean, I don't know what to tell you, Gordon. Give me Larry Bird. I don't want Dennis Johnson taking the shot at the end. I mean, there are great scorers that are great for a reason. Okay. And I'd rather have a uh, never mind. What are, what are we doing? We've got the not sports board coming up next, and we're, we're only going in circles, in circles because <laughs> you're so wrong. I can't let it go. Uh, the not sports board is next. Lock at five ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 1280 the zone and the zone sports network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. It's time for the Not Sports Report. Brought to you by the Larry H. Miller Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going into the bathroom. Okay. Let me start by asking a question. Are you, do you, are you a shower in the morning guy? Are you a shower at night guy? Um, I used to be a pretty dedicated shower at night guy, but now it's when I have time guy. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> I mean, we had our guesses that was the case, but it's good to hear you admit it. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes days, <laughs> Once a week? you know, who knows? When I can carve out an extra few minutes to bathe, that's when I do it. When you wake up in the morning, do you think, ah, a nice shower sounds like a good way to get me going? Austin? Uh, yeah, I used, I used to be a, a night and morning guy because uh-huh. I, I wanted to be woken up in the morning. Yeah. But since, you know, little uh, species of my <laughs> wife and I are running around the house now, uh, it's, it's when they go to sleep, I sneak in a shower. Yeah. Okay, so I was reading a study. Uh, that suggests their, their doctor's research suggests that people who get up in the morning and get in the shower and take a good hot shower to in order to wake up, that th- it's having the reverse effect. Yeah, I believe that because hot shower is relaxing. It's yeah. not. It doesn't wake you up. It yeah. It brings you down. Yeah, it kind of makes you drowsy. Right. It's like instead of coffee, you have a warm cup of milk in the morning. <laughs> Do people really do that? I don't know. Don't, that's a thing to go to sleep, though, right? Warm cup of milk. This study says, uh, reports that uh, a hot shower actually has the opposite effect to waking us up and does make us drowsy. So drowsy, in fact, that doctors recommend a hot shower to people who struggle to fall asleep. So when you get up in the morning, apparently, don't take a hot shower. You know what they're suggesting you do? The old cold, hot, cold idea. Pass. So (laughs) 30 seconds of cold water on you, and then you put on the warm water for to open up the blood, you know, flow and all that, and then cold again for for another 30 seconds. And uh, that supposedly invigorates your body, gets you going, and wakes you up and 
makes you uh, puts you in a place where you can uh, you can uh, what, let's see this is the way it phrases it uh, exposure to the cold is linked to an increased tolerance of stress, a stronger immune system, increased fat burning, and even effects of antidepressants. So, according to this study, they're saying take a cold shower. Speaking of blood flow. Out not, to the, not taking a cold shower? Out to know. the zone phone we go. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical <laughs> Clinic, he's our friend Andrew Reinhardt. Blood flow, that's the name of the game, Andrew. That is the name of the game. Who doesn't want a little more blood flow in, you know, this sensitive part of the body? Whether you're out there struggling with ED or you just want to improve performance and frequency, a lot of guys in that category, by the way, uh, our technology can help and has helped uh, so many. We have the two most studied and clinically backed forms of technology, acoustic wave therapy, which with gentle pressure waves, not invasive, not painful, it opens up and regrows blood vessels. Uh, two to three weeks of treatments, that's all it takes. We're getting guys off the pill, improving the blood flow, and really seeing that intimacy and the relationship gets a lot better. So those guys out there that are putting up with the headaches and all the, the downside of the pill, they don't have to do it anymore. They don't have to do it anymore. I think the pill will slowly fade into a thing of the past. Um, you know, guys are treating the root cause of the problem, repairing the blood vessels. They don't have to turn to the pill. I've had guys in their 20s come in and say, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it's recreational, but they're improving the frequency. And I've had guys in their 90s come in and describe this as life-changing because it gets those intimate moments back. We've seen it all, uh, every kind of health condition and every age. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call to get on the schedule. You can come see the doctor. And I love what you guys are doing to take the risk totally out of this thing. It's really cool. And it's a great perk today. Uh, the assessment and exam is free. Call us now. And if you take our treatments, you get a lifetime warranty, which I don't know how much value that is, but it's a lot. If you ever notice that results fade down the road, we'll retreat you totally free. A lot of value. And give us a call now to qualify for it. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. David Locke jumps on with us straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.